Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You've got the Houthi rebels who are taking uh, ships by helicopter, literally taking them over. Hijacking, I believe, is the terminology you want to use. Then you have the U.S. Navy overshooting runways in Hawaii. Now, all of this might pale to the ceasefire conversation. We'll get into that as the reports are starting to come out about what deal has possibly been created. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. I saw the video of this yesterday. I was like... Did we think that these were just guys who live in a cave? This ship is rarely linked in the Red Sea. The Houthi rebels are able to land a helicopter on it. Six, seven guys get out. They've got gear. They're fully armed. They take the ship. Now, Iran constantly denies that they have aided uh, this, this group. Believing Iran? You would have to be the Biden administration to believe Iran. Bulletproof vests, assault rifles, as uh, as reported, uh, what they were actually carrying, I wouldn't be able to tell. I'm not enough of an expert on that subject. And it took them seconds to control what's known as the Galaxy Leader. That's the name of, of, the, of the vessel. And as described by Military.com, Moving in military formation. We must understand that our enemy is trained. And this is true of Hamas because Hamas is our enemy. These people are trained and they have spent years getting training. Years engaged in practice. This is no longer the, hey, we're going to throw rocks at you people. They're trained. They're armed. They're specialized. They're ready. And this is not the first time you've seen a ship, whether it be Israeli-linked or U.S.-linked, get attacked in what's known as the Straits of Hormuz. If I were you, I would get a map and understand how this little kink in the water works. Hormuz, H-O-R-M-U-Z, between the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. You have to go around this little bend here in order to get the ships out, the ships with oil. So you have Dubai and Oman uh, to the south. You have Iran to the north. That other big old landmass there, that's Saudi Arabia. And then at the very tip, you've got a little bit of Iraq and you've got Kuwait. That little, uh, what do you want to call it there? That little pivot moment there, as David Schwimmer would say. That's a tight squeeze. I mean, it might seem large to you and me, but it certainly allows for opportunities to grab vessels. And this happens often. But what is the message at this moment in taking the tanker? Well, first... 
it shows clearly the level of training that Iran has provided. These people might be uh, horrific savages, which they are. These people may uh, desire a, a style of life that is more related to the Stone Age than the modern age. But when it comes to the military, when it comes to training, they've got it together. American defense officials talking to the Associated Press on a condition of anonymity, quote, this looks like something we haven't seen before. Now, the fact that maybe you and I haven't seen it before is different than whether or not the U.S. military has seen it before. But get it clear. There is a level of sophistication here. And it has to be understood that we are not dealing with people who are simply going to bother you and then run away. We're dealing with well-armed, well-trained armies. Well, they're rebels. They're not really an army. I think it's time for us all to grow up. And stop thinking that an army is going to come at us like the redcoats through the woods in some kind of formation. This is the army of the future, and the future is now. It's the world of tomorrow today. And we have to rethink what it is to engage in these battles. Even in the conversation of how do you know that you've beaten Hamas? I think that's a great question. The answer is, I'm not sure. But you got to start by killing those who you know are Hamas members because they're going to kill you and they've already tried. And people take that as a, a uh just a, such a violent thought, and, and I don't actually think it is, and I think that they are, are the ones engaged in the violence. The people screaming, what about the children, are the ones who actually are engaged in violence. They would rather children used as human shields than an effort be undertaken to spare them from this inhumanity. These people who are democratic socialists, these people who fill the halls of Congress or fill the halls of pick your university, they think they're good. They think they're rational people. They think that they provide a value. They would rather children be used as shields than given the opportunity to be spared from this nightmare. I don't understand them. I sure as hell don't like them. Wait, hold on. I definitely understand them. What they're telling you is it's okay for that group of people to suffer. And that group of people, in this case, is Israel and Jews. Just so we understand it. That's what they're saying. And that's what they're saying in universities. And that's what they're saying, whether they're students, uh, even though they're adults, or whether they're professors, or whether they're silent administration, a bunch of low-life cowards, uh, whether it be in pick, pick the state. It's not just, you know, Massachusetts. They're, they're silent uh, in, in Texas. They're silent in Indiana. They're silent uh, in, in Washington State. Just silent, silent cowards. We are dealing with sophisticated folk. Don't get me wrong. The ideology that they follow is downright uh, Stone Age. It's downright despicable. You wouldn't want that in your world. Whenever you see a sign that says queers for Palestine, <laughs> you know that you're into you're you're engaged with people who have never read a book, who know nothing about history, who are so 
based in the Marxism uh, of the oppressed and the oppressor concept that you understand where the term useful idiot really what it means, where it comes from, but what it means. Anybody who's gay and is like, I support uh, Palestine, uh, these are useful idiots. Uh, And so we're clear, I, Tony Katz, am laughing at you because you don't understand how you will end up dead next. Wanting a solution that doesn't uh, kill more people, I think, might be admirable. Supporting Palestine is to buy into the oppressed oppressor, which first shows how weak you are. But second, those people will kill you next. And the only reason you don't know it is because, as I stated in the beginning, you've never read a book. I'm laughing at you because, A, you are ignorantly dumb, and B, what will it matter? We're both going to lie next to each other in the ditch. The Houthi rebels taking this ship is a big, big story. I mean, it's... It needs to be understood that we're not dealing with cave dwellers. And then as, as I reported, the Coast Guard responding to a Navy plane, rainy weather, overshooting a runway. This happened earlier this week, a military base in Hawaii. All the parties involved were rescued. There are some times when, when we have a, 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 a military mishap and we're like, this is a sign of a problem. And sometimes... Things things do happen. It, it's it's a it's a crazy look uh, for for this plane that's just sitting there in the water, and it is it's kind of it, it's kind of grainy and 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 gray. And you don't picture Hawaii being like that. You're like, wow, that's that is nuts. Um, this was a as everyone has described it, just a mishap. Um, the, the, uh, the, the, whatever issue was with the runway or with the weather and just caused it to happen. That's all nothing else. So that story is out there. I just didn't want you to connect it to the other things. Taking an Israeli linked ship by the Houthi rebels who are backed by Iran. That's something. Now are we going to see a ceasefire? All the reports are in the maybe column. I'll give you what's going on. That's coming up. This is Tony Katz today. I spoke recently about it with both the Prime Minister Netanyahu and the uh, Amir Qatar. My team has been in the region shuttling, shuttling uh, between capitals. We, uh, we're now very close, very close. Uh, we could bring uh, some of these sausages home very soon. But I don't want to get into the, into the details of things because nothing is done until it's done. And uh, we have more to say, we will. But things are looking good at the moment. Now, what does he mean by looking good, President Biden there? The answer is, I don't, I don't know. Tony Katz, Tony Katz uh, today. Uh, the details are not existent. This started with a conversation 
over there at the Washington Post. It was a, it was a reporting that wasn't based in reality. It was based in a, ooh, I heard a whiff of something. Let's be first to discuss it. This was the idea that a ceasefire was going to come to be. And this ceasefire would mean uh, five days and 50 hostages a day released. Well, that is predicated on the idea that you think the hostages are still alive. I only hope. I hope they're alive. If you ask me, do I believe that they are alive? The, the answer is no, I don't. I don't believe it. I desire to be proven wrong. Now, nothing is done because, well, there's no deal. This was a deal that Qataris were working on. The United States is involved in. I don't know if other nations are a part of it. Should there be any level of ceasefire? I believe there should be a destroyed Hamas, as we know. But I need to get Americans back. So let us not view this in the Hamas-Israel way. Let's view this uh, as we would as Americans and should as Americans regarding American citizens. We need to get American citizens back. That's our job. And I can appreciate that our job might be somewhat different or at odds with Israel's job. Because I believe that Israel's job is to end Hamas to allow a better life for the people of Israel and the people of Gaza. When Hamas is gone and and Gaza is self-governing, you can actually get to concepts like a two-state solution. That can actually happen. Only can happen if Hamas is gone. That's why it's so amazing that so many people on the left don't push this. Rather, they go after Israel because they're telling you what they're all about. They're not about safety and security and freedom and goodness and the lives of people. No, 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 no. As, as my grandmother would say, bitch, please. They are about dead Jews and it makes them happy. The democratic socialists, uh, the college campuses, uh, the elected officials, it's what they're about. You now know that. You never have to question it again. But the United States has to get these hostages. So I can understand their desire to have some level of stoppage in order to get Americans back. Makes sense to me. I accept this. What do I think is going to come of it? Well, if it gets Americans back, I'm, I'm pleased. I don't like the idea of a ceasefire regardless. Because the ceasefire gives Hamas time. And as I said yesterday, I put nothing past them, nothing past the Iranians. You have the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, H-O-U-T-H-I, just so you know how I'm pronouncing it. It's pronounced Houthi. It's not Thi. It's not Houthi. Houthi. So the H is silent, but it's spelled H-O-U-T-H-I. If you've got Houthi-based rebels, the Houthi-backed rebels, backed by Iran, by Iran, uh, taking uh, uh, Israeli-linked... Oil carriers, ships. Why in the world would I not think that a dirty bomb isn't on its way? I didn't make this up. I'm not engaged in a level of fear mongering. If somebody was war gaming, how is that not on the table? How is that not a piece on the board that one moves like so many pieces on a board? Of course it is. 
Am I concerned? You better believe I'm concerned. You know where else I'm concerned about dirty bombs and tactical nukes? My hometown, where I live today, my kids' high school. I'm sorry, am I the only one who's playing this through to the end? If the objective is destruction via terrorism, well, then you would destroy. If you have a porous southern border, you would abuse it, right? You would utilize it to your advantage, correct? What? All I'm doing as is what I always do. What is the data telling us and therefore what is possible? I am concerned that any level of pause and any level of ceasefire gives Hamas chances to rearm. And that when they do, and when they're able to reposition, that will lead to more death. That's my concern. Now, there is from the Israeli Defense Forces and Israel Security Agency, they say there's video evidence of Hamas forcibly transferring a Thai civilian and a Nepalese civilian throughout Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital. This was the hospital that Israeli forces took. They brought medical professionals with them. They brought Arabic-speaking soldiers so they could go after the enemy, make sure that uh, those who are in the hospital are safe. I got to tell you, those Israelis are terrible at genocide. They're just, I mean, that's not how you genocide, folks. If you want to learn how to genocide, you would genocide with, with uh, the, the, the people there in Hamas. Now, Hamas knows how to genocide. Israelis are just terrible about this. Maybe this is a sign that others are alive. So this is going to be a very, very tense five days, if it indeed goes five days. And understand where the pressure point comes. Once you enable... Engage. Engage is the better word? Engage. A, a, a ceasefire. Now, you create the pressure of, and keep it that way. Don't you fight back, Israel. No, 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 it's over. It's over. Hamas learned their lesson. It's over. That's, that's going to be what comes. That's the problem with not going forward. That's the problem. With engaging in this in this way, working in this manner, I get that we want Americans back, and I get that the desire of Americans is different than the desire of Israelis. If I if if it was me, I would look at other countries and go, "Sorry, there'll be no stopping. We'll be done when we are done, and we'll tell you when we're done, and that's it." If Israel doesn't recognize that it has to leave everything else to the side and figure out whatever the friendships and relationships they have, ipso facto, they cannot exist with Hamas around. They cannot exist with terrorists who, who kill them. I, I have to assume they understand it. And that's why you've seen this level of aggression. Stopping leads to other problems. And I do not think um, we've all thought it through. Uh, Well, I should say that. The left has. And they can't wait. It's really an ugly scene. It's an ugly scene in America. What they really think of the rest of us. This is Tony Katz today.
Trump went to the doctor. That is not the start of a joke. You actually went to the doctor. And he is in excellent health. And his cognitive exams were exceptional. Well, Trump put out the letter. What else was it going to say? Holy hell, what is this? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Find everything at uh, the the uh, doctor, Bruce Aaronwald, describes himself as, quote, Trump's personal physician since 2021, um, has uh, said these good things about uh, his health. But as the people at CNN want to note, um, this comes after Trump, 77, has made verbal slips that brought his age to the forefront. Well, now we're going to now we're going to talk about uh, Trump's age, are we? All right. Look, I, I said it would come. I said it would come. That age was going to be a thing in 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 this debate or in this uh presidential season because h- how could how could it not be? Trump 77, Biden's 81. And the left wants to act like it's only Donald Trump that's having some level of slippage. If Donald Trump is the candidate and it seems likely the age point is largely moot. It's very different uh, if Joe Biden were to be running against Nikki Haley or against Ron DeSantis. But the age issue vis-a-vis Donald Trump, yes, okay, so Joe Biden fell off a bike. Donald Trump has never been on a bike. They both make gaffes. You, you know, we, I mean, we can sit here for days looking at reels of gaffes made by Joe Biden and made by Donald Trump. I don't think there's been that uh, the same level of focus on Trump uh, uh, as there has been on Biden because he's not president and he doesn't have that bully pulpit. The same amount of gaffes. My gosh. The spin is, is quite remarkable. So now we're going to admit that Joe Biden makes gaffes because it's not gaffes. Joe Biden, in the middle of ceremonies, walks away. Joe Biden gets lost and confused. Joe Biden makes his own staff cringe. Now, this is going to develop into a a, a larger conversation uh, uh, about the, the almost frenetic nature of people on the political left trying to get people on the political left to remember that Joe Biden's a good candidate. It's... It is odd. It is clearly odd. And we're not taking enough of a look at his, uh, uh, you know, all, all the things he's done well and all his accomplishments. And why aren't we looking at this? Why aren't we looking at that? And then everything becomes this conversation uh, about Trump. And I'm going to hit this in a, in a couple of different ways so you can see all the spots. But nothing was more criminally insane. Nothing more criminally insane than what happened on Morning Joe this morning. That's MSNBC. Watching this that I'm about to share, you, you guys know I do a morning show in Indianapolis. And I, on and off, consider, would I be willing to wake up a little earlier, make sure my hair is properly done? Who am I kidding? I wake up, it looks perfect. And literally doing the radio show as a, a, a video, uh, as, as a streaming talk show. I'm talking about guests and everything else and bringing people in and kind of expanding the thing because there's no way this this guy should be allowed 
to have any level of audience. And some people were kind of, 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 of like, I'm somehow online going to steal his audience. I don't know. It's worth a shot. I, I stated online, on, on the X, that this used to be the intellectual morning show. And people were like, really? Absolutely. Morning Joe was about getting more in-depth on the political. And even though it was on MSNBC, it was a solid, solid program. All that's gone and only proves that Mika Brzezinski can ruin anything. Ruin Joe Scarborough. This that I'm about to share with you is nutty. It's not nutty. It's criminal. Uh, criminal is not going to be the right word, but I, get, I think you get my point. You want to talk about the people unhinged about Donald Trump. It's one thing not to like him. It's one thing if you think he's a bad leader. It's one thing if you think uh, that his rhetoric is terrible. Those are all fine things. This goes beyond that. Let's start where it starts. Yeah, have a responsibility to, to really to tune out the voices of of the haters of of the people that are constantly uh, double shilling and triple checking and shilling for him and suggesting Sick. that somehow they're being biased, bending over backwards, treating him like a normal candidate. He's not a normal candidate. He is running to end American democracy as we know it. He's an authoritarian who a, a court uh, in in Colorado two days ago ruled that that he led an insurrection against the United States government. He's charged with leading schemes to help overthrow the United States government. So I don't know about this judge in Colorado, but that part doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it, it meaning that a judge saying it doesn't somehow lend some credibility to it. People believe uh, that he was part of an insurrection. I can't stop them. As I've stated, it wasn't an insurrection. Riots took place on January 6th, not an insurrection. I think that's obvious. And I think rationally that that's where we should be. So he, he lays out this, look at what a terrible guy he is. Fine. He does it with hyperbole. Okay. He continues. So if they want to frame it uh, that way, that's fine. If, if you want to be fair, if you want to be fair, then you will frame this uh, as uh, Joe Biden being the candidate that supports American democracy and Donald Trump a candidate who supports a new form of government here, this authoritarian. This is their continual line, and they're talking to Al Sharpton when this is happening. Al Sharpton is now going to be the guy who we go to for decency. Oh, holy hell. This idea of Trump as authoritarian, it is the Biden administration that wants to tell you you're not allowed to have a gas stove. It is the Biden administration that wants to force you into using certain pronouns. Why is it Trump that's authoritarian? The expression goes that the thing uh, that the left accuse you of, that's the thing that they're doing. They always accuse you of what they are doing. That's part of the strategy. You told me that he was trying to usurp and trying to take over and he wasn't going to leave office and then he left office. I always found that to be an odd argument. He did everything under the sun, you could argue, 
to try and prove that there was an issue with the voting and he should have been elected president. And you know what happened in the end? Joe Biden got sworn into office. So the system works. The the country held. And this threat against democracy thing is really weird. Trump the authoritarian. Okay, we've heard all that before. Now it gets different. It's really that simple. And by the way, Reverend Al, when people go, oh, you can't compare him to past Nazi leaders. You can't compare him to this past Nazi leader or that past fascist leader because he hasn't done that. Well, what hasn't he done? He hasn't done the things that the American judicial system did not allow him to do last time, but may very well allow him to do this time or a judicial system that will be ignored by Donald Trump and ran over by Donald Trump to create the greatest constitutional crisis of our lifetimes. Joe Biden was told that you could not continue to have uh, these eviction moratoriums. Supreme Court was clear. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to keep going as long as I can. The idea of not listening to the courts. Well, wait, are the courts are the people we, we listen to? If if the president is elected, like, for example, take DACA, Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals. Barack Obama writes an executive order about DACA. Trump gets into office. He wants to rescind that executive order. He's told by some judge he can't do it. Has anybody asked who the hell this judge is? The judge shouldn't have a say in whether or not the president of the United States via executive order can get rid of a previous executive order. Puts Marbury Madison into a whole new light now, doesn't it? Exactly how much power should this damn court have? And that would be the Supreme Court. We're not talking about some nonsense, politicized district court judge who should be told in those situations, you be quiet. You want to go raise an army and take me on? Feel free. I'm the president of the United States. I wrote the executive order. End of list. Removing something that another president put into place via executive order? That's not a stretch. Not listening to courts? Was it not Barack Obama who said, I have a phone and a pen? But wait, here it comes. Just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he won't do it when he gets a chance to do it. And if he is voted into office, then a lot of these people that are talking about literal or figurative or whatever the hell they're saying, you're going to look like idiots. Uh, Because he will do, he will get away with, he will imprison, he will execute whoever he's allowed to imprison, execute, uh, 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 drive from the country. Uh, Just look at his past. It's not really hard to read. That is unhinged. Vote for Donald Trump and he will execute people in the streets. Well, Tony, it's Trump who said he could probably shoot somebody uh, on, what was it, Fifth Avenue or on Broadway and get away with it? But he wouldn't get away with it. He's going to execute people? This is the rational conversation of MSNBC?
Good Lord. That's a statement. That is a lost mind. Now, if Rashida Jones, who runs MSNBC, doesn't want to actually worry about her network providing news, well, then she'll look at that and go, can't wait to see what he does on Wednesday, and she'll move on. Sponsors are sticking with that? Sponsors are going to stick around with a guy who actually says if you vote for Trump, he's going to murder people. Man, that is, that is lost. Did that sound intellectual to you? Did that sound rational to you? Trump was president for four years. Um, he didn't drone any American citizens like Barack Obama, did he? And you guys know, I'm not particularly a Trump guy. <laughs> but this is madness. And it'll it'll flow into a a secondary conversation that I promise I'll I'll get to, I think in the, I'll get to later in the show because I'm not sure when I'm going to get to it. Um, For people who think that Joe Biden is so great, that his accomplishments are so strong, that he's uh, the clear choice, they're really spending a lot of time telling you how dangerous Donald Trump would be, which makes you wonder whether or not the people actually believe Donald Trump is that dangerous. Whether or not they look at um, Joe Scarborough and go, man, he's so right. And they look at Joe Scarborough and go, my God, what did Mika Brzezinski do to you? You're just a mess, man. You, You need a divorce lawyer and a condo in Florida like no one I've ever met. Unhinged. Insane talk. Man, this election season is going to be a hoot. I'm Tony Katz. There's a story out about Jim Ursay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts, who's, I, I guess, going to be on uh, Real Sports there on HBO. Uh, the Brian Gumble show? I didn't even know that was still on the air. I, I didn't. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. And the story is, is that the owner of the Colts, Jim Mersey, sat down with uh, Andrea Kramer, who's been trying to do this interview, I guess, for years, and now he agreed uh, to do it. I was surprised to learn that Jim Mersey is only 64. I did think he was older. But the life has been hard, and, and, and how he has taken care of himself or not taken care of himself becomes very self-apparent. But I think the thing that right now, from as the previews of the interviews going forward, is um, this uh, arrest that took place in Carmel, Indiana. Um, And in the interview, uh, he's asked why he pled guilty to the misdemeanor, saying he wanted to get it over with. And he says, I am prejudiced against, mean people are prejudiced against him, quote, because I'm a rich white billionaire. If I'm just the average guy down the block, 
They're not pulling me in. Of course not. And when asked, do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say they're prejudiced against a rich white guy? He says, I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth. You know, Andrea, I could give a damn what people think, how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth, and I know the truth. Oh. Okay. Oh, my. I... I cannot wait to see the reactions. Cannot wait to see how people dig in on this. Um, you got you got taken in because because of your the color of your skin and because you're a billionaire. If you had been black, you wouldn't have been taken in. If you weren't rich, you would have been. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to leave it out there. I don't. What am I supposed to say? This, for the state of Indiana, is going to dominate. And if you don't think that every sports... I mean, guys like me, uh, maybe not everybody will get to it. This is going to be a dominant 24 hours of conversation. I wonder what Colts players have to say. This is Tony Katz today.